Hello. Hi. And welcome to the latest episode of The Peak and the Pit. I'm Jazz. I'm Kat. And that was a phone noise. Did no one hear it? So hi guys, it's the last day of Mental Health Awareness Week. I'm a little bit sad. I know, same. I mean, I'm also relieved because it was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a week of inspiring stories and meeting people from all walks of life with it was just amazing yeah and I just think hearing so many people's different stories like different backgrounds totally different backgrounds yeah. but all kind of fighting for the same fight yeah if that makes sense and I think it's been inspiring it's opened my eyes massively that mental health affects anyone it doesn't discriminate no it doesn't and we just all have to be a bit more kinder to people because you never have a clue what anyone is going through at all no absolutely not well today we have mike richard he runs an organization called talk about it mate mike is trying to inspire men to talk about their mental health issues so yeah, yeah there's a huge it. stigma about that isn't there yeah there I is i think the whole man up grow a set type thing has got to go we're not in that mm. age anymore no absolutely and not. I think Mike is doing a wonderful job at breaking that stigma yeah he is let's go and see what he's got to say so hi Mike thank you so much for joining us hello hi <laughs> how are you you okay I'm all right yeah so Mike what we normally ask everybody that comes on our podcast is yeah. what is their peak and pit of the week so what is yours um I'll start with hit and I'll go to peak I think yeah uh Monday I was doing some personal development at university because I'm training to be a counsellor and uh I don't know something came up from my past that really bothered me about myself and I uh I was a little bit agitated and annoyed with myself and I feel like I I kind of self-sabotaged myself a little bit there however that led to some you know reflection and personal development uh and because I'm uh, mild ADHD uh, I've done a lot of research into neurodiversity and I'm hopefully finding a counsellor who can specialise in those kind of issues, uh, which is a big step in the direction. So that's a peak because I've done something very specifically and personally for myself. I like so, it. Your pit is basically like the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Reacting. I like, but then it's that reacting or being proactive and it's uh, often we just react and then it keeps on happening. Uh, and I thought to myself, no, this time we're going to take an action from it. And uh, I wouldn't have done that a year ago, let's put it that way. Oh, that's great stuff. Yeah. That's great stuff. Because I know that you've got, um, talk about it, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Why did you start it? I started talking about it, mate, three and a half years ago because it was the kind of thing that I would have wanted when I was struggling with my mental health. So I went through all my 20s and really did struggle and I didn't know how to talk and I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to be kind to myself. So there wasn't that thing there. So I was diagnosed with depression at 18, so in 2004. And it, 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 there wasn't anything there for me to do except for take for antidepressants. But I didn't even know anything about therapy. I'm, I'm a, a young man from a working class background, never had them opportunities. And as I kind of, the, the landscape has changed, I thought, as part of my own development, why not set up a group, an organisation where I can connect with others who have been where I've been? And it's just come from there, really, in that, like, I have done my own development alongside the growth of the organisation. Um, how have you found, I know 
it's a question that everyone asks constantly. And if I'm honest with you, I am absolutely sick to death of talking about it. <laughs> hopefully when this goes out, we will be out of it. And then, we're, then we'll be outside. Fingers crossed mm. if everything. But Paris have just gone into another lockdown. France, I mean, I'm only hey. saying Paris because I'm going to be going on holiday there. Don't panic it. Just don't talk about it. So how have you found having ADHD being in lockdown? I think for me, um, not too bad. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think I've coped quite well with it because I'm quite flexible in my job positions and I can kind of work from home and I'm building the social enterprise. So I've had, I've been able to make my like passion purpose kind of align. Uh, I mean, I do want to go out more, but then I'm also, I don't want to say I'm socially awkward. It's just that I'm also not wanting to be around big crowds and things like that. So I kind of just get on with things, really. Uh, but it, it does exacerbate any negative feelings, I think, because you don't have that fluidity where you can go out and just, like, get away from it all. There's less uh, outlets or ways to switch off, I think, and, and there's an over-reliance on technology and social media, which causes a fatigue, so that can uh, make any kind of mental health uh, difficulties worse. However, I've had a community to, like, lean on so I'm, I'm quite lucky with that, I think. We had so much time on our hands. The first lockdown, I dare I say, it was kind of a novelty, wasn't it? Yeah. And the sun was shining and everyone was working from home. And, oh, what is this life that we now lead? Everyone got dogs. And it was like, <laughs> OK, everyone kind of took a step back and started asking themselves what is important in life and that our family connections and our friend connections are way more important than running around like a madman doing your nine to five and knackering yourself out for that. I think the stigma around overworking, not the stigma around it, the what's the word when you glamorize overworking? Mm. I think that was that a lot of people did do that. And now it's everyone's like, now I want to work a four day week. And, <laughs> and I think it has given us that reflection. What will you be taking from the lockdown scenario into a new normal, hopefully in a few months' time? Yeah, uh, in that the new normal will be new and not like the previous normal. Uh, and I really agree with all the things you said there. And and I feel that like people are taking more ownership over their own lives. And when you strip back a lot of these things that people relied upon before, what's left? And and I think the power of community, the power of connecting with people, uh, like you don't necessarily just have to do the same things all the time and, and go to the same place to work. Um, like my wife, like I don't think she'll go back to work as like five days a week like she did before. So many major companies in the corporate world have seen the light a little bit yet. I think the ones who are the most ethical have, uh, because so mental health has come onto the table. Um, it's come to the fore, and I think more authentic um, people have also come to the fore because once you strip back all these things, window dressing, what's left of the real person? If 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 all your life is external and trying to please people and have a great car and going out all the time, those things are absolutely brilliant. However, what's the core of who you are? Because when you've got to stay at home and you can't see your friends, you kind of have to rely on that. Definitely, yeah. definitely. I want to go back to um, the previous question about your mental health. Mm. So how did you know at 18 that you had a mental illness? Do you think it was from being a child? Can you take us back there? Yeah, probably uh, stemmed from, um, yeah, parents got divorced when I was about 12. Uh, but yeah, it was a taken root in the, the most, most mental health conditions take root in childhood. 
um, yeah, not feeling good enough alongside a neurological thing that wasn't diagnosed until 32 years old. Like, so that was obviously there. I think my dad potentially uh, on the spectrum, uh, but there's a lot of men of that generation who haven't been diagnosed and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I kind of went to uni, uh, did, started to do like broadcast journalism or something. I lasted about three months. I had a breakdown and I left. Uh, I couldn't tell anyone about what was going on for me except for my mum who I broke down in front of on my like 19th birthday or something and then um, yeah then got, got some antidepressants but I remember then uh, six months later I applied for a job in a state agent and I put that I had depression on my CV and he said that's the reason I'm not giving you the job mm. so yeah. you know this is back, back then like he said that you're a wonderful candidate but I, I, I feel like you need to whatever and it was like at the time, like that won't happen now. I've been able to, no. like, I, but like that happened to me. That happened to me at nineteen years of age, and like, you know, not like I'm not a smart lad or a hard worker. It's just yeah. was dealing with something that. Uh, but then you become in your mind a black sheep because like lads at that age and growing up in Greater Manchester, Stockport, where I'm from, like to be that lad who 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 cries or you know has down days, and you you, you have you have to hide that away to survive. Uh, where it's not like that now because there's outlets there for you. I think there's been a huge stigma more about male mental health than there is about women. I think girls chat more openly as a group in a conversation. We chat to our mums more probably or a, a guardian or someone that we're close to. I do think we find it easier to open up. I think men, there's so much pressure on you to, I hate the words man up, grower set like stuff like that it's just thrown about so flippantly how how do you think that's changed do you do you still think that's that's a thing is that do you still see that I don't see that not in anyone in my network or or people I interact with but I imagine in certain communities in closed off communities it's how education changes the world doesn't it and my mum used to say those two exact same things to me and my mum's an absolutely brilliant person loving caring compassionate person but that's just how like people are conditioned to respond like I had a break I broke down when I was about 20 a Christmas day at my best friend's house and and he's like I don't know what to do I don't know what to say to you what can I do for you it was like he just didn't know what to do and and people just aren't skilled so what I'm trying to say is Nowadays, with peer support and all these things, people can go to people who automatically have that thing, and that thing we're talking about is empathy. And uh, men, ha- many men do have empathy, but remember that the mental health, male mental health epidemic and all the things that are going on at the moment is, is it's due to conditioning of males through generations and generations. Like you, you're told not to cry, or it's, it's frowned upon, or you know, so that's you grow up and and about around adolescence the me- the messages in your programming changes so therefore something can take hold and 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 men become a version of themselves which isn't actually their real self so if a young say a young male came up to you or or was struggling in what would your advice be talk i'll listen like you know what's going on for you i mean there's lots of campaigns in there ask are you okay ask him again so i love that roman kemp documentary that was on uh, I think they really did it justice. It. Yeah, fantastic. I said, I'm, I'm a little bit sceptical about celebrity-led campaigns. I have my reasons for that, but I think he really did do it justice. I'm going to, I need to watch that. It is on my list. I, I, didn't, so I didn't know who he was. 
Oh, do, I, th- <laughs> what, I think he did like a, a reality TV show a little while, but it might have been like I'm a Celebrity or something a few years back. And I think um, I am looking forward to watching it. I watched the Caroline Flack documentary the other night and it sat so heavy on me. I've not yeah. seen that still yet. No. Oh, well, I mean, I won't watch them one after the other, Cat, You'll send no, yourself into no. an absolute oh, hole. <laughs> no, not yet. No, definitely not. Before you were diagnosed with depression, what sort of feelings did you have? Um, How did you feel just, yourself? I felt like I just wasn't right in this world. I didn't have a place. I felt I was a burden. I felt that, like, I didn't behave at feel like other people my reactions were very very different I was overly excitable or passionate which would be great on a night out people would love me for that but then I also felt very hollow inside like a real impending sense of doom something bad could happen at any moment and it was only when I kind of went outside of my support network in Greater Manchester I went to uni in uh, Preston uh, Central Lancashire at the time that I felt very very isolated and and uh, but I think I'm the kind of person who will react by crying or getting upset or getting angry, which is a kind of way of fighting back and not being okay with that thing. So I, I kind of came home after after I couldn't I couldn't hack it, and it, that probably saved my life, to be honest. I think it's really brave of you to do that, definitely. Mm. What would be? I know you said before talk, but just in general, like, what are your top tips to stay positive to try and keep your head above water, so to speak, like? Good question. Uh, I just try and stay busy, I suppose. But uh, I think time for mental reflection isn't a bad thing. Like I think if I'm talking about men or lads or blokes, like it, many of them go to the gym, don't they? And you work out for your physical health, like how you work out your brain for your mental health. So just starting to talk about how you feel. And a lot of men, when they speak, they don't you very often use the word I. So when we speak from the I, we take ownership of what we think and what we feel and we don't speak for others. We don't generalise, we don't stereotype, we don't offend because you're taking responsibility for yourself. So, I mean, I don't want to go down a big road with that, but like, yeah, just how are you feeling and, and kind of owning how you're feeling. And once it's out there, I always say, um, check yourself before you wreck yourself uh, because it's simple. And it, I, I think with mental health, you can dress it up, but it needs to be accessible and simple. And yeah, just like look after yourself it's all part of your health and and that way you'll know who your friends are I suppose if they can't they're making it worse uh, you know it's your right to be heard or your right to be understood I really like that I really like that taking ownership of of your feelings and allowing your feelings and recognizing that okay maybe this isn't what everyone else feels but I'm that's fine for me to feel this way and hopefully in a few days time I won't feel like that so that's exactly what this podcast is about. We wanted to just r- remind people and just to try and normalise having those bad moments and those down days and picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, getting on with whatever it was that you're doing, whatever it was that you love to do. I Good love question. the Instagram as well, by the way. I think it's really positive and I sometimes find Instagram to be very negative and I just think what you're pushing out there, we need more of that. Yeah, that is definitely. what needs to be shown on people's like pages what comes up in your search boxes that kind of stuff rather than a load of crap that people post <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's it the future is is, is uh oh, i always remind myself of what the, the core values of why i'm doing what i'm doing is like i don't want people to feel like i'm feeling and our core values are courage compassion and connection but within that i think authenticity and being a good role model and 
and I do always check myself before my, I wreck myself. So uh, it's kind of, I think, you know, it's not pussyfooting around anyone. It's being authentic and being real and, and kind of owning your own story, but not having to tell your own story all the time. Like, I'm happy to talk to you here today. That's, I've agreed to that. But some people, I think, like, almost open themselves up very, very vulnerably on Instagram yeah. and things like that. But as a, as a trainee counsellor, what, what are the merits of that? Who are you doing that for? If you're doing it as part of your story, your recovery and your development, then I take my hat off to you. But also you, you have a responsibility to keep yourself safe. And if you're kind of opening up some real raw negative emotions uh, on a public forum rather than in the privacy and intimacy of, of a counselling room where it's supposed to be done, in my opinion, then it's kind of you're not going to get you know, you set yourself up for validation. You're saying, like, if I open up and cry in this way or if I do this thing in this way, I'll get rewarded for it. It's like, that's, it's, not, it's not grief Olympics. It's, it's, it's like, make it and own it yourself. Like, like I, I know that there are people who have stories and sad stories, but, like, I, there are the right people to go to for the right things. But we're going to just keep developing our brand but uh, and doing it our way. And, 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 and if... That has been the best and the worst thing because if we, there's many ways that we could have changed the way that we offer a talk about it, mate, and, and we market talk about it, mate. And I feel that we would have become a lot more successful by doing it that way. However, it doesn't align with my values and my integrity. I like that. And something you just touched upon then, like some people, if, it, if that's fine, if that's what they want to do, if they want to bear their soul on their Instagram page, then that is absolutely <laughs> fine. But I do think sometimes that can be triggering for people. So mm -hmm. people going through something, if they're just idly scrolling and all of a sudden this celebrity that they follow and only really want to look at their clothes, because that's basically all I do. I just want to look at what people yeah. are wearing. <laughs> and they've posted this soul-bearing problem that they have and it could trigger something inside you and then that could set you on a downward spiral that you never intended to go on. Mm. I think it, people need to be aware of their audience, of their yeah. age group that they're, they're attracting. I think... It is, and also they're opening themselves up to negative comments. I think if you're putting yourself in the public eye in that way, using your Instagram mm. to to air how you're feeling, I know we say we should talk about it and we should be open. We should try and be as transparent as we like. But like you just said, I think there is that sh it should really be for you and your friends and for your close ones. And when your time is right and you're ready, make people aware of what they're about to read and what they're about to see. And it is like the documentary, like watching yeah. the Caroline Flack documentary and the Roman Kemp documentary. People know what they're switching into. They can put that on and go, right, I know what I'm going to get here. Prepare themselves for it. I do think yeah. Instagram's a very dangerous place. It is. I don't I, I follow a lot of those toxic people, though, in that sense. because So I'm quite protective. I only see the good stuff because that's one thing you can own your feed. So I take responsibility of if I think people in it aren't in it for the right reasons, I'll just I'll mute them or whatever. But this is the difference between a public forum and a contracted space. So if you enter a counselling room, you'll have a contract. If you enter one of our groups, which are online on Zoom or face-to-face, -face, there will be a contract. It's like everybody agrees to these things. Therefore, you can, without that, you can't keep the space safe. So yeah. we're taking responsibility as a, a gatekeeper almost to let you into this room. And, and then if anybody tries to give you advice, we can kind of say, well, we don't do that. That's in the contract. Uh, you don't have to share more than what you want to share so people can't ask you direct questions because some people will feel they have to answer it and if they've yeah. disclosed something 
Also, if it's a really serious disclosure, I'll take them off into a breakout room and see if we can get them the support that they actually need because speaking to 10 people about an intense trauma or abuse, like, again, it isn't the forum. So it, we have to make it very, very clear as, as voluntary organisations what we are and what we are not. And I, by, by being the best we can be of what we are, we can be more successful. Definitely, definitely. So lastly, where can we find you? Everywhere, everywhere. In your, in, your <laughs> ear, in your ears through our podcast where we model what happens in the groups. And next week, which will obviously have been out now, it is, we've replaced the two men in the, in, the, in the chair with two women. And it's, it's our best podcast yet. And that's about courage. Uh, at Talk About It Mate on any of the social media uh, where you can then get access to all of our groups which are listed on Meetup and you can RSVP and we've got workshops. We're all over the show. Uh, we're not going away. Oh, That's brilliant. I think it's great what you're doing. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Mike. Thanks for having me. I know I can go on, so yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. If you have been affected by anything we've spoken about this week, then please do get in touch with a 24-7 mental health tech support line. They're called Shout. And all you need to do is text Shout to 85258. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We really appreciate you listening. I know it's been a, a mammoth week and it means a lot to some people. I know it means a lot to you, Kat. Definitely. It's, it's such an important week, Mental Health Awareness Week. It's to help educate as well because a lot of people don't know much about mental health issues. And it also can help you as well. If you were struggling with anything that, and you didn't know what it was, hopefully this week has given you an, a bit of an idea of what it can be. So, yeah, do seek help and help educate as well. If you're, you've got a platform of any sort, make sure you do speak about it. It's so important. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And please, please look after one another. Be kind and stay safe. See you next week.